0: the Emmaus Fellowship teaching podcast. We trust you find this encouraging. Emmaus Fellowship is located at 205 North Pine Street in Woodland Park, Colorado. Our phone number is 719-687-6061. We trust you find this encouraging as you pour over God's word with us. You gave me a voice and a song Taught me how to sing All right, gang, the fact that I'm following two weeks of fireworks, I don't know if I got fireworks, but I got a great story for you. (laughs) So this morning, we're going to kind of gather around the campfire, pull your log up a little closer to the fire, and I'm going to I'm going to share an experience with you, a couple of them actually. But it it interests me to see how intertwined what we call the natural and the spiritual are. I guess the bottom line is everything spiritual in one sense or another. And I had was all lined out for my message this morning, but I uh, something happened that. That changed all that, and what happened was, it was—I think it was last Monday. It was warm, sunny, and nice, and my honeydew list was pretty well caught up. (laughs) Oh, she says, (laughs) and and I said I'm going fishing, and so I was, and I'm a fly fishing nut. Okay, I absolutely live and breathe for fly fishing for trout because it takes me to the prettiest places in the world. Many of which are right here in Colorado, by the way. And so I'm loading my gear in the back of the truck and uh, I realized something as I was putting my gear in there and it was I had a this dip net that attaches to the back of my fly fishing vest and if you get a trout up you just pull it loose and dip him up and But this was the net that I brought from Alberta when we, as some of you may not know, that we came down here from Alberta, Canada a year ago in July. And and I was fly fishing when I was up there, but it's very different there in the rural foothills of Alberta. My favorite trout stream that I figured i fished for at least 45 years, and I have yet to see another person while I was fishing. And we caught big fish, okay, big comparatively speaking, where we often measured our trout in feet rather than inches and pounds rather than ounces. So segue to now my pursuit of fish with a fly rod in Colorado where I see more people in... 15 minutes as I've seen in 45 years. The people are lining the streams and finding a vacant spot is sometimes a problem. I see that nobody's carrying a dip net as big as me, and I start to feel conspicuous about it, like they think I'm crazy or something. And so the trout are smaller, generally speaking, which is okay. It's, you take what you get, right? And I'm loading up and happened to look down at that dip net, I'll show it to you. I brought it for a prop. This is what I carried around in Alberta because I needed it. And when I looked at that in the back of my truck, I thought, people are gonna think I'm crazy carrying a net around like that. So I scrounged around in the house or in the garage. I don't even know when I got this, but I thought, this seems more appropriate. I had made the mental adjustment. I had, the reality had spoken, and I had been on the streams out here, and I'd caught my 12 to 14 or 15, and if you caught a 17 inch,er, you were big thunder, okay? And I thought, this is lighter anyway. Why don't I just take this? So I did. Left the big net in the truck, took the little net, and I went out, how many of you have been up to 11 Mile Canyon? you know how beautiful that is and so it's worth the trip even if you're not a fisherman and so i start up there in my truck and all fly fishermen really favor familiar water they understand the hydraulics in the stream they understand the how the uh, the hydraulics determine where the fish are likely to be so you get to learn that and then you you have a tendency to return to that because It's familiar and you know how it works. And so I started out hoping, of course, to to find one of those familiar spots. And as I drove along the canyon, time after time, I'd come around the corner to think, boy, I want to go there and there'd be a car parked in it. And so I'd go, let's see, I'll try this spot and I'd go there and there's a car parked in it. And finally, I realized, All the familiar water is taken. So that means I'm gonna have to go somewhere I know nothing about. And the way it is out there, they widen the road a little along the canyon so you can pull a car off there. And I finally came to a vacant one, I couldn't believe it, and I pulled over and I thought, there's nobody here, so I guess that's a good thing. And then I looked over the bank and I thought, now I know why there's nobody here. (laughs) It's steep. It's sort of life-threatening to get down to the water. I have to be careful what I say or my wife won't let me go fishing next time. Or maybe she'll encourage me, I'm not sure. (laughs) But anyway, and then when you get down there, it's just a series of boulders and uneven. So it's, it's a scary looking spot, but there's nobody in it. So I thought, okay. So I tried to navigate getting down there, which I did mostly on the seat of my pants. I thought better to scoot than fall, and I finally got down to, you know, with my Colorado tackle, with the smaller flies and smaller rod and, of course, my smaller net, basically what I have done is I have allowed this new reality to shape my expectancy of, of what I'm going to get there. You follow me? And it's by the time I get to, and to, to give you a mental picture, if you've been up there, you know how this works. There'll be a boulders in the water and a shoot of fast water that comes through it into a deep pool, which then spills through boulders. And so it's shoots of fast water pools so of like a chain of these. And so I worked my way along there for a while. And I don't know, by late afternoon, I'd caught four or five fish that fit into that net with room to spare, even though the net's small. And finally, I got to this one pool that I was really trying to work my way to, because it just looked perfect. And so I flipped this fly, which was a sinking thing, down into the fast water and let it drift down toward my feet, where I was standing in water about knee deep, and that deep pool was in front of me, and I'm watching my line drift. And if it hesitates, one of two things is happening. Either a fish has got your fly, or you're hung on a rock. And I had caught several rocks that day already, so (laughs) I was much too big for my net. And so anyway, I'm watching this flag line come down, and it hesitates, so I just give a little yank just to see what's going on, and I'm hung up. Again, I start trying to jiggle it loose, and as I'm doing this, I start to realize that this rock is lifting off the bottom. And it's getting shadows now on the stream, and I can't see down into the water as well until finally what I'm hooked to emerges to the surface where I can see it. It's a trout about this long. (laughs) I did not know they existed in that river. And we saw each other about the same time. I gasped, and he just took off for 50 yards straight upstream like rocket propelled, went around a big mossy rock and I'm hung up now and fairly certain that if I do get hung on that rock he's long gone I waited cautiously uh through these life-threatening boulders till I got up to the big mossy one and got my line undone and lo and behold we're still connected (laughs) and I'm praying I said Lord let this happen and I confess things I haven't even done if I could catch this (laughs) trap. And so I work him away from all the boulders into more open water and finally get this thing up into water about this deep where it barely covers the fish. And I'm still just dumbstruck. Who is going to believe this? And so I try with my (laughs) mini-net. No dice. A couple of times I got his head in it, but that was it. And the third time when I tried, I accidentally broke the fly loose from the fish and he swam away. And I'm just I'm aghast. And so it's it's late in the evening, and there's no point in continuing. What what kind of act is gonna follow that? Okay. So that's the natural. Here is the spiritual version of the same story, which God made abundantly clear right after this incident. I go in hopes of the familiar and it is not available. And so I push on finally to where there's no other place to go but the unfamiliar, which looks dangerous, kind of scary, do I or don't I? So I go on and I work my way with some reluctance, with some hesitation, down this steep bank into these scary boulders. I'm not a ballerina, so, you know, that's (laughs) something I have to worry about at my age especially. I fall real good, but I don't get up as good as I used to. And I'm now in unfamiliar territory in a scary place, and my expectations have been diminished over time to where... I'm ready to believe for something smaller than I used to believe. And lo and behold, in this strange place where nobody else wants to go, is the treasure that everybody wants. And that I got to look at anyway, but because of my diminishment in expectations, I end up with that stinky little net which, by the way, I'm going to auction off here in just a few minutes. And I, this whole spiritual thing started to unravel in front of my eyes, and it was about hope, actually, which is the theme of what I want to talk to you about this morning. Diminished hope. God's mode of operandi is to give you ultimate hope, and Satan's mode is to steal it. How many times has there been something that was on your heart that you prayed about, and you prayed about, and then started praying less, and then finally didn't pray anymore. I'm guilty. So this diminishment of expectation, and so our job is to keep that from happening, to carry that big net even if you get laughed at. And I realize that there are things that have happened in my life, some fairly current that I'm passionate about for a while. And then, so what's the problem here? Did I, is it like, because I didn't see God act in instantly to what my prayer was, That I assume he didn't hear it or it's not going to happen. You ever examine that and wonder just what's really going on? What I found out was that in this God I don't know why but God comes through big time for me when I'm fly fishing weird things happen and he's always got something to show me but it was like there in in the last possible place that I didn't even want to be there's there's the treasure even though my hope had diminished incrementally to that silly little net and so I thought okay so what God is saying To me, through this, I have to rethink the process of my own expectations of what God says he'll do. So is it the echo of the whisper of the enemy that diminishes, or is it just I get weary of praying or expecting, or worse yet, feel like I'm not one of the chosen ones who who God listens to or all these little, all this, yeah, that comes into your head and the enemies behind it all. But, and then in the end of this little episode, here's what I come to in scripture in Ephesians 3.20. Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Somehow we got to hold on to that a little tighter. It's, and it was mentioned earlier, I thought it was interesting, that if we let feelings dictate reality, uh, we can get into that diminishing mentality real easy. But it's like, what defines reality for us? And what defines reality defines what our expectations of God will be. So what that spoke to my heart was I need to quit looking at the natural and stay focused on the spiritual and take God at his word. One time when I was in Emmaus Road Ministry School down in Texas, um, the question was asked, what's the ultimate definition of humility? And so I was thinking all the things that don't be like this or don't be like that. So no. The ultimate uh, definition of humility is taking God at his word. Amen. And so the upshot of all this in terms of this fishing episode, which uh, God got my attention and, and I'm throwing away my little net. And carrying the big one, expecting what God says I should expect rather than what I think I see with my eyes or hear with my ears. And and that's my singular experience, all right? I want to address this from another point of view, and that is from a corporate perspective, all right? Here's one of the great ploys of the enemy and that is when you get down, when times get tough, when times get depressing, there is the tendency to isolate. I think we can all come to a point in our memory, maybe recent or not so recent, is where I just don't want anybody to ask me how I'm doing. I just can't smile and say, fine, because I'm down, I'm hurt, I'm whatever the point is. And in that effort not to have to fake it, let's say, um, we miss a great opportunity. I'm going I'm to share another one with you that's very close to home. And the function of what I'm about to tell you is what the body of Christ is actually designed to do in spite of what natural tendencies may be. So we're talking again, spiritual versus natural in that capacity. Most of you know my daughter, Michelle. I don't know how many of you know the battle that she's been fighting for years of incredible pain. She's been to every kind of doctor you can think of. And the the, uh, result has just been what each doctor decides to do with her makes it worse. And unbearable pain, just debilitating pain at times which is horrible for her to live with. And let me tell you, it's, some of you know what I'm saying. when It's hard when you're a daddy looking at this. okay? And so you pray, and you pray, and nothing's happening that you can see. All right. I really want to add that that you can see part because there's just a whole bunch you can't see. And here's how this thing worked out to date. Last Christmas, I was making arrows. I were I was making them as close as I could to replicate the arrows that were made by the Native Americans back before metal came into their world. And they were just like for collectors and I was making these, and the one day I realized that I didn't have uh, the glue I needed to complete one of these things, and so I know that there's an archery shop just down the bottom of the hill as you enter into Colorado Springs, so I thought, I'll drive down there and pick up some glue so I can finish making these arrows. And so I walk into this archery store, and there's only one attendant in the store, and it. He's behind the counter speaking to a lady, a woman who I'm guessing is probably 65 years old or something, and she's trying to buy uh, archery equipment for her adult son, and he really loves bow hunting and so forth, and so I'm sta- I'm looking all over for the glue and I can't find it, so I'm just standing back there waiting for my turn. I'm not in any rush, and I'm I'm can't I not help but hear the conversation between this woman and the attendant? And then she mentions that her son suffers with fibromyalgia in his back and it's very difficult for him but somehow he, he manages. And so when she said fibromyalgia, since my daughter has dealt with that, may still be dealing with it, I just groaned, okay? And audibly, because she turned around and looked at me, and I said, "Sorry, I just know what that means. My daughter suffers with it, okay, so she turns around and goes about her business, and I go wandering around still looking for glue and when she gets through, she walks up and hands me a piece of paper, and she said, "Get your daughter to this doctor. This is who she needs. He helps my son without medic or she it's a female doctor." She helps my son without medication. And she, the lady, had been in a horrible automobile accident just up here by the hospital, and he helps her back. And now my radar is going off, okay? Because I'm down here buying glue to make an arrow, and I just connected with somebody who knows something that might be pertinent to what my daughter's going through. And if I hadn't known my daughter and what was going on, that wouldn't have meant anything, but I did know her. All of you know somebody that's, that's hurting, somebody that's in need, somebody that needs something, but here's the deal. This turned out to be the key to a whole new realm of medical attention that has helped her beyond anything, she's, she, and she's actually getting out of pain. Amen. Hallelujah, okay? So this happened because I knew her, and I was in the right time and the right... God connects things that don't seem to make any sense going into it, but ultimate sense coming out, Right? And so what has that got to do with us as a body of Christ? It means if you don't know my story, God's probably not going to tell you how to help me. See what I'm saying? Sometimes in our bid to isolate and to not want to have to say again and again what's wrong, we hide a little bit. But it's really important that we know each other well enough. You get where I'm going? If I don't know you're hurting, then there's not much I can do. I I prayed for my daughter, but I never thought God was going to answer it over a tube of archery glue. You see what I'm saying? So don't let logic deter you. I think this is this whole thing of diminished expectancy that we can ill afford to buy into. So who are we agreeing with? we agreeing with God or the one who wants to steal our hope? Amen would be real good about that. (laughs) i say it myself. And so when this was all coming into focus this week, I thought, I need to share this with our people since I'm up next. And I get daily uh, inspirational things from a couple of people. Uh, One from John Eldredge there with the Wilder Heart Ministry. I really like how... John thinks he's, he's um, what do you call it, a therapist, and he sees how God works through this calling of his, and it's always encouraging. Another one who you might not know, a fellow named Alan Wright, who I've known for years, who's just a brilliant theologian. And it just turned out that both of their messages the day I was putting this puzzle together were about hope. And I thought, okay, hope it is. And I want to share with you what they shared with me. First, I want to share with you what Alan Wright says. And he says this, hope comes by a process. It isn't listed in Galatians 5, fruit of the spirit. It isn't mentioned in Romans or Corinthians as a gift of the spirit. Hope comes as a domino tumbling gloriously into our lives as an inevitable sequence of pain and grace cycles in our life, an inevitable sequence of pain and grace cycles in our lives. And then he goes on and quotes this in Romans 5, 3 through 4. Suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. He says, I'd prefer a shortcut, but there's no, easy, there's no easy button for the kind of godly hope that endures and prevails and anchors. Hope that is assured of future blessedness. Hope that faces down all manner of disappointment. Hope that doesn't weaken or wilt or, wa- or waste away. That sort of hope in God comes by a process. Suffering. Suffering. The weight of challenge leads to endurance. The bearing under the adversity by grace leads to character. Virtue and wisdom grounded in revelation leads to hope, not wishful thinking, but assurance of blessedness no matter what. So, and and then he says, In a hopeless world, I bless you to be filled with hope, Though it be forged in fire, be filled with hope. The interesting thing that I noticed about this is that the diminishment of hope often happens because of hardship. If if that's the case, then are we looking at hardship of no value, or how are we interpreting hardship? I can tell you how I interpret it. Why me? But somebody like Alan Wright comes along and says, Here's why you. And it's, oh, back to reality, back to God's perspective, rather than the natural inclination to buckle under pressure. Does this make sense to anybody besides me? Good. All right, here's what John Eldridge said in the same day. Let hope rise, he says. Sometimes we feel hopeless to ever change simply because our personal history is filled with our failed attempts to change. Where was that angel who was supposed to be guarding our tongue and preventing those harsh words from lashing out at our children? What happened to that fruit of the Spirit that was empowering us to be self control and pass by the donut section? God has not given me a spirit of fear, so why am I so consumed with worry over my children, my finances, my future? If if the fear of man is a snare, why do I still find I'm terrified of exposing my true self and then being rejected? My bondage to food has been revealed as a liar and a thief, and yet in the moment of pain, too often I still turn to it. God knows, he says, he has not turned his face away. The very fact that we long for change, we do as a sign that we are meant to have it. That's real important to grasp that, that longing for change. Anybody here not longing for change today? Of course not. The very fact that we long for change, we do, is a sign that we are meant to have it. Our very dissatisfaction with our weakness and struggles points to the reality that continuing to live in them is not our destiny. Isn't that good? I need to read that every day. He says, read those two sentences again and let hope rise. So, when... You're forced to leave the familiar things that always worked. And you find yourself in a place you don't understand, maybe even fear a bit. Does that mean that God has abandoned you? Or does that mean that God's moving you toward the prize? See what I'm saying? And the most amazing is that God makes this kind of sense out of a fishing trip. May you all become fly fishermen with huge nets, your spiritual nets that everybody laughs at, and only you know is going to be filled by Almighty God. i say amen to that. So I hope you're encouraged. I hope that you hope. I hope that you don't let your hope diminish and settle for something less, something smaller than what God has in mind. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power to work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Amen. Let me close with Romans 15:13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's our joy to offer these podcasts. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, any prayer requests, feel free to drop us a line at EmmausFellowship at iCloud.com. If you're curious about ways you can be more deeply involved in this community, visit our website at EmmausFellowship.org. And be sure to like our Facebook page.